0: This is the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Now, here at the Menopause Movement, we've surveyed over 50,000 menopausal women. And through this, we've discovered that the number one cause of menopausal suffering for our clients is weight gain. Now, you've said things like, how do I lose the middle belly? I don't recognize myself anymore. How can I get me back? When menopause hit me out of the blue, I had no idea what was happening, and when I gained about 50 pounds overnight, I hated what I saw in the mirror. The menopause movement exists to provide world-class transformational education to women who are suffering from the symptoms and effects of menopause, and we're here to give you the education you need to get your life back. We want menopause to be the best time of your life. I mean, it is for me, and I want that for you. After years of trial and error, I finally cracked the code with my menopause weight. And now I want to share with you how I did it. I realized that what helped me the most was a challenge. So we've created a challenge for you to help you lose your middle belly. Simply go to menopause forward slash challenge to sign up. I'll see you there. Hey, what's up, Menopod? It's currently summer in New York and we just got through an epic heat wave. It was really, really hot. And I'm continuing my training in this heat and i have another 5k race coming up soon that's going to be fun and what i find interesting is that i still feel like i'm not in very good shape despite being in my lowest weight in the last 8 years and able to do more physically than i have done since my 30s now perception is all in our minds and i remind myself of this frequently i'm here to remind you of this as well you know when it comes to menopause in life The only constant is change. And the thing is, our brains want to keep us safe. They want to keep us from doing new things and thinking new things. And that's why we still think a lot of things we have thought since we were children, especially about our bodies. And what I'm here to tell you is that change is possible, but it won't happen overnight. The first step to change is making the decision to change. But then we have to back that up with action, and that's when it starts to get challenging. How do we take action, and even more importantly, what actions should we take? The menopause movement is here to help you with all of that. Menopause can be a time of misery, or it can be a time of unapologetic action toward creating a life we love. I woke up in the middle of my menopausal journey hating myself, my body, and the life I had created. I didn't know what to do, and I went on a quest to find out how to make change happen. And the result was the menopause movement and this podcast that you're listening to. The menopause movement has one purpose, to help end the suffering caused by menopause through transformational education and coaching. And we want to help you too. So head on over to menopausemovement.com, take the quiz there. And not only will you discover your type, but we'll also tailor some offerings to help you take your life back from menopause. Now, getting into the driver's seat of my life was the first step i took to overcome the changes i experienced and the challenges i had with menopause and i did it alone and it was really lonely so the menopause movement has created a community of women who are unapologetically deciding to become their best selves one small action at a time and you can too join our community and start to create a life you love now if you like me grew up with self-loathing or developed hatred for your body today's episode is for you today's all about discovering how to love the body you're in nicole c ayers is sharing her personal journey to love herself nicole is the award-winning author of love notes to my body which was recognized as one of 2020's best life-changing books she has also written two companion books love letters to my body writing my way to self-love and writing your way to self-love a guided journal to help you love your body one part at a time. If you're ready to stop waging war against your body, learn to accept and maybe love it, today's episode is for you. During the podcast, we talk about Nicole's journey to self-love, meditation as a tool for awareness, how things are and how we get to self-loathing, the legacy of thought we can pass on to our children, the role journaling plays in self-expression and change, processing grief about our bodies, creating a relationship with your body, power of gratitude, how accepting your body can be an act of rebellion, and stay to the end to find out the three tools you can use to cultivate a kinder, gentler relationship with your body. At the end of the episode, visit menopausemovement.com forward slash podcast, where you can find the show notes and the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave a written review Like and subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. So you're always the first to know when each episode is released. And who should we have on the podcast? What can we do to improve it? I definitely want to hear from you. So send me a DM on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon or on Facebook also at Dr. Michelle Gordon, D-R Michelle Gordon, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. And when you send me a DM, you do get me. It's nobody else. Or you can send an email to drgordon at menopausemovement.com, and I'll answer you. And thanks again for being a part of the menopause movement. I'm so excited. Now let's get to Nicole. All right. Well, Nicole, it's Nicole Ayers, right? Yes. All right. Right on. Nicole, Welcome. To the Menopause Movement Podcast, uh, where are you? Where are you calling in from? I'm calling
1: in from Fort Mill, South Carolina, which oh, is wow. just a little bit south of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh,
0: Charlotte, I, you know, I, I love Charleston. I think Charleston is my favorite city in the South. Um, I haven't been to Savannah yet, but I love Charleston.
1: And t- I like Charleston over Savannah. We're we're probably uh, about three hours from the coast. So.
0: Right on. So welcome uh, to our podcast. You are a self love expert, and and I love this so much because. Menopause is is a time where we have a transition and that transition can sometimes add pounds to our body. It can make our, you know, and when we add the pounds to our body, our clothes may not fit. We may look in the mirror like I did and say I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And mm-hmm. and that that came not from menopause but from ballet when I was a child. And and so I think it's going to be really great to to talk about self love and your own self love journey, and so I wanted to get started. You've written a couple books and actually three and and I'm going to get to that but but what I wanted to start with was how did you let's list hear like how you got to self love as a calling or a passion
1: yeah it it's a i mean passion heart centered I know this is what I meant to do in this world, and also it's a long journey. I didn't have like a lightning bolt moment per se where I was like, oh, this is what's wrong and this is how I'm going to fix it. I just was having just like dissatisfaction in my life. And there was nothing specific I could point to. My career was going well. You know, things in my family were great. Like there wasn't a specific thing. And I was like, what's going on? And so I decided to learn to meditate because clearly meditation was just going to cure all my, my woes. And luckily for me, I started working with an intuitive energy healer teacher and who she was going to teach me how to meditate. But she honestly just opened up those doors for me to get really curious about why am I dissatisfied? What's going on? And what I figured out over a period of time was that I really didn't like myself. Mm-hmm. And specifically. I didn't like my body. And, you know, it was such an awakening because that's just how I thought it was supposed to be. You know, our normal in this society is to not like our bodies. So to be a person, a woman who decides to reclaim, like loving her body or not even going that far, but just accepting that we live in this human body and human bodies change that's such an act of rebellion. And I was always a people pleasing, like good girl in quotes. And so I was like, holy smokes, what's going on? But I have two daughters. And when I finally realized just how poorly I was treating myself, all the things I was saying to myself all day long, like not not just when I looked in the mirror, but every time I saw a picture, every time I got dressed, just every time I was doing something that nasty gram narrative running, I was like, whoa, no way, Mm -hmm. this can't be what I'm leaving them with, right? I can't continue to teach them how to hate themselves. So- at that point, I was like, I have to heal this. And I went on a journey to do that. And I got really curious about, well, how am I going to love something that I have hated my whole life and been told that I should hate my whole life? And I started journaling and I found a movement practice that really gave me space to move emotions around and feelings around. And So
0: I want to hear the rest about your journaling, but I think that there's a few things I'd like to unpack with you. And Absolutely. So let's start with... Let's start with meditation as a as a vehicle for observation, right? So you said you were feeling dissatisfied in your life, and so you wanted to deal with the just this this this, this like feeling of dissatisfaction, right? Yes. Now I, I think that that is a catalyst for a lot of us, and. You know, again this is the menopause movement podcast so I want to bring it back to menopause and, and the, the the changes that happen when we start to lose our hormones and the effect on the brain. And one of the things that happens during menopause is loss of estrogen that can affect our mood center. And it's not just estrogen, it's also progesterone and progesterone has a big 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 role in in our moods. And so when we have when the ovaries stop producing those, then we have to change our our brain changes because of the lack of hormones, but then but then the, the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that we're not at the mercy of our hormones. And what we can do is is we can actually rewire our brains by t- deciding to change our thoughts. And one of the best ways to do that is to pick up a meditation practice. And so I think that I think that if if you're somebody who's really struggling, let's say you're really struggling with self-image or you're really struggling with thoughts and decisions, which are a couple of, you know, our moods. Uh, a couple of things that women really complain about or find to be problems in menopause, then just sitting for five minutes. This Mm -hmm. is not not necessarily a spiritual practice, but I will say that starting meditation is going to help you move on a spiritual path, even if all you do is transcendental meditation, because, you know, fundamentally, I do believe we're spiritual beings. And trust me, I used to be an atheist. So, (laughs) yeah, so it's a story for another time. Yeah, exactly. But, but the point is, is that, is that when, when we start to get out of the thought that Everything revolves around us, and that there's something bigger that we're a part of. Then we can actually start to do some observing. So, so you did the meditation, you started to observe, and you started to realize that the life that you had cr- created, essentially, right with your thoughts, right, uh, wasn't how it was supposed to be. Right. Okay. So I'm just, and so you decided to say, well, and and this is where I want to kind of get to it. You said that y- you were having all these negative thoughts about yourself, and that you really didn't like yourself much, and that. There was probably some programming from your childhood or programming from, you know, whatever your thoughts were that created that. And so I'd like to kind of dig into that a little bit. Like, did you have a traumatic childhood? Did you have a loving childhood? Where do you think those thoughts came from?
1: I mean, I think that they came from so many different avenues, truthfully. I mean, I had not. A traumatic childhood is maybe not quite the right descriptor, but it wasn't easy. My parents were divorced when I was 7. They were very young when I was born. And so I was like what you call like a parentified child. So mm-hmm. I was the only child and I was just treated like a mini adult. Mm-hmm. Um and I was with my mom and all of her girlfriends, most of the time. And so we're talking about, you know, women, young women in their mid 20s, and who right at that time in their life, like how we how they look is so very important as they're trying to make their way in the world. And so I was just absorbing all of that constantly. And I don't know a single woman today, and certainly was true then as well in my childhood, who either doesn't currently struggle with her body image, or who hasn't in the past and has worked really hard to heal it. So, you know, it was coming from just these, what people thought were, you know, just no big deal comments about their weight and their looks. And even I actually just told this story recently. I learned very early that I was supposed to always keep my toenails polished because some man had told one of these um, friends of my mom's that he always looked at women's feet and would decide if they were desirable or not based on how they cared for their feet. And so the lesson was always make sure that your toenails are polished. And I'm like, what a dumb, <laughs> like how dumb is that? But that was something that I just sucked right into my life and and had my toenails polished. Now, I do it now because I love it. like it make, It's fun for me. But right. for a lot of years, I just did it because that's what I was supposed to be doing to be desirable. So
0: I think there's an opportunity here to talk about belief. And how all of our beliefs and programming is shaped in our childhood. And whatever whatever we're exposed to as truth, as children, is what we're going to bring into our adult lives as truth. And if you live with a parent who is self-deprecating and always trying to... Like my mom was always trying to lose weight. And uh, back in the 60s, there was this... (laughs) That's pretty funny now. It's it's there is this supplement called AIDS, A Y D S. And then my mm-hmm. mom used to take it. She was always complaining about her weight. And so of course I always complain about my weight because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And my mom just had a lot of a lot of self-image issues. And so of course I absorbed that. But the thing that I wanna push here more than anything else is that nothing, nothing is is set in stone. And when we start to examine the thoughts that we choose to have, and yes, we do choose, some of them are automatic and negative. But when we start to look at that and say, listen, I don't have to think this way. How can I change the way I'm thinking right now? And this is one of the things that we teach inside the menopause movement. We can make our lives anything we want. And it all starts with observation. And that goes back to meditation.
1: Well, and and that's actually what I share as well. It's like, awareness is the first step of right. healing your relationship with your body. So you don't have to love it. You don't have to do anything other than just start noticing how you're treating yourself from what you're saying to yourself to do you even hear your body when it sends you signals for what it needs? And if you hear those signals, do you honor them? You know, from everything that, you know, how many of us feel the urge to to go pee and oh, I'll do it in five minutes. I've just got (laughs) to finish this email, or I've just got to finish washing these dishes. But what if instead you just went right when you needed to?
0: You know, it's like an act of honoring your body. You know, that's really that's that hits home so much for me as a surgeon, because it was always it was always this wrong thing to have to scrub out of an operation to go to the bathroom. And when I when I realize that, you know, it's okay to drink a lot of water and it's okay, I don't it's it's okay to go and scrub out if I have to. I mean, just you know, standing for twelve hours or eight hours and not peeing is not necessarily healthy. And so when I was, I, I don't know, something something clicked in me about five or seven years into my practice. And I said, I'm gonna pee when I need to pee and it's okay. Yeah. I'm gonna break scrub, I'll rewash my hands. It's really okay. And so, yeah, I think it's important that that you were able to really look at the legacy of it, right? Like, what were you mm-hmm. teaching your daughters and the kinds of things you were saying to yourself? And, you know, we can't help it. We're going to screw up our kids. And it's just, you know, it doesn't, I mean, because we have our own faults and, and part right. of part of growing, you know, part of raising our children, obviously we want to raise them and have them be independent and make decisions and all those things that we want to do. But at the same time, you know, we're going to pass our beliefs down. And, and sometimes that may be our own self-loathing and whatnot, but how, how have you been, how are your kids and how have you been able to kind of change that programming you think?
1: Yeah. So they're 11 and 13. So prime time for body stuff to be really front and center because their bodies are going through their own transitions, right at this age. And when I started this journey, they were a little bit younger, but already were noticing things about their bodies and other people's bodies and other people were noticing things about that, you know, having these conversations about bodies. I'll never forget my youngest several years ago. So she was maybe like eight had been at a friend's house. And she came home and told me that her friend talked about how fat she was the whole time she was there.
0: Aww.
1: And I, and you know, and I just, th- you know, heartbreak because then like, you know, that like that's something she's going to carry with her that she's either going to, sh- heal or struggle with her entire life. And, you know, and at the same time wondering, like, well, is my daughter now going to start thinking she's supposed to think she's Mm -hmm. fat, right? And all of that sort of thing. So I, unfortunately, believe that they are going to both struggle with body image issues and do sometimes now there are some things that we see come up. But what I'm holding on to is that I'm also teaching them that there is another avenue. There's another journey, another path, and just being that voice that says you don't have to do life like this. You can find joy in moving your body just because it feels good to move. You can let your body fluctuate in weight sometimes because it's going through a transition and that's okay. It will Reset and you'll figure it out or you'll figure out a new way to be in this body that that's what I think of like, that's the legacy. It's not just to what I'm saying to them, but it's how I'm treating myself. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of women, it's really easy to jump to let's I want this something better for my children. I want my daughters to have something different or my nieces or my students or, you know, we we want to make it better for the girls in our lives. I've had so many women say, can you write a book like this for girls? And I'm like, yeah, one day, but we're working on you first. We're working on us first, because if we don't heal it with ourselves, what we say doesn't matter nearly as much as what we do with those girls that are watching us. So, you know, I do, we do, we talk a lot about what their friends are saying about their bodies. We talk a lot about like dress codes at their middle school and why we went to the school board at the meeting and said, this is inappropriate. Right. And things like that. So I know they're going to still struggle because social media and, things that I taught them before I had my own awakening and things they've learned from other important women in their lives. But I also have a different opportunity. And like just that voice, just that little voice yeah. I hope that they get to hear me say, you can accept your body.
0: Yeah, that's I think that's so important. And, and what happens is that we are bombarded with all these negative messages, uh, or or these messages of what an ideal woman looks like, or a girl looks like, And, you know, let's not forget the cult of youth and let's not forget the patriarchy. And Mm -hmm. so we have the media that says girls are only desirable up until a certain age. And then after that, they're old and crony and, and not worthy anymore. Right. Right. And so we have that. And and then we also have this whole like the way people are are is not okay. So let's Photoshop a whole bunch of different attributes that aren't even real. And, and so it's, and, and I think that we're seeing, you know, with people like Myrna Valerio, Valerio, for example, who is, she's the Myrna Vader and she's a body positive athlete. She's plus size, you know, she's, she's probably 280 pounds and she runs and she runs ultras. I mean, that woman, she does 50, 100 mile hundred miles. I don't know how she does it. And she just loves to move her body and she doesn't care. You know, it, it, she's, that's her body and she loves it. And so when we can start to just accept where we are, like I had never wanted, like I gained a lot of weight in menopause. I gained like 50, 60 pounds and I looked in the mirror, I was like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. How could you, you know, and I thought it was all my fault. I didn't really, It, it as a doctor, I mean, I knew there were hormones, but when I went and asked for help, I was, they were like, you got to suffer through it. <laughs> It's never going to end, and I was like, "What?" And so that's why I started the menopause movement. All, you know, anyway, was so that we could, you know, like get some education and start to make changes. Yeah. And so, I, but as I as I gained all this weight, I realized that the more I hated myself about it, and felt like I was, how do I say it? I, the, like, like I was, I had no willpower. You know, I told myself all these things, and then ev- the more I that I that I perpetuated these feelings of hate the more I would do the things I didn't want to do,
1: mm-hmm. right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's um, that, per, you know, self, self-sabotage. Or, uh, yeah. yeah, it is, It is is self-sabotage. But it's, you know, you, you have this expectation that you're just going to be, like, you don't have any control. So then right. that's what your actions, you know, cling on to that. Right. Right. Yeah, um, I love that you built the community, though, because that is actually one of the ways that we process grief we hold around our bodies, especially when our bodies are in transition, Yeah. right? When when our bodies stop working the way that we expect them to or the way that we want them to, whether that's an illness or an injury or a life change like menopause, there are so many feelings that come up. And a lot of times we feel like betrayed by our mm, bodies. Yeah you know? And and if you feel betrayed, then there's so much anger. And then underneath the anger, there's all this grief. And community is one of the ways that we move through it. We find other people who say, yes, me too. I've been there. Um, And I'm witnessing you on the journey. So I love that you built this community.
0: Yeah, community is so, so, so important in getting through any change, any transition in life. And so that's, I think, nothing else. The transition of menopause can be so lonely. And so for anybody who's listening to this, you know, we have a community, it's the Facebook group, it's Menopause Movement with Dr. Michelle Gordon, home of the menopause. So the the people who listen <laughs> to the, the Menopause Movement podcast are part of the menopause. So let's talk a little bit about journaling and how how journaling changed for you and what what kinds of, you know, a lot of people we talk about journaling and somebody like me I'm a writer I do write and it took me like years to realize that writing was one of my superpowers mm-hmm. and it if I need to write something I just write it and I didn't know that so many people just struggle like if I need to sit down and write something I can put out 2000 3000 words and you know without even thinking so for you, I, I just want to know, like, how does somebody get started with journaling? What kinds of questions would you say are best to best to get started with if you want to start to love your body again?
1: So I think you start with just checking in, dear body, how mm. are you, right? And then, it's like, just maybe, it, maybe you don't write anymore that day. You just sit and listen to what's coming. Are you? I know for some people, the idea of like sitting and meditating is just anathema, they like I can never do that. So go on a little walk or what? do something mundane, like wash the dishes, do something that you can just, you know, not be thinking while you're doing it and just see what comes up to you. And, and a lot of times it's just sensation, right? A lot of sensory answers that we get, this muscle feels tight, or my belly is rumbling or things like that. And just start paying attention to that. The other thing that I invite folks to do though, is get really Honest because I decided as I was going to heal this wound I had around my body that, like, I needed to be in relationship with my body. Mm. So I started to treat her as her own entity. I call her her to really personalize it for me. I know some people don't dive with that, and that's fine. But I was like, we got to, there's a lot we need to talk about. And so that's what the journaling was for me. It was truly conversation with my body. And so to say dear body, though, felt entirely overwhelming when I started the journey because there was just so much to unpack. So I started writing, I called them love notes to my body's parts. And so I would write to parts that I was really grateful for, like my heart, you know, that was beating all of the time for me. And I would write to parts that I found some joy in, like, you know, my eyelashes. I, I liked my eyelashes, so like putting mascara on them. That was fun for me. Um, but then there were so many parts that I didn't like either because of the way they looked or the way that they moved or because they had had injuries and these things. And what I gave myself permission to do was be really honest about that. So love notes was a bit of a misnomer in my journaling practice because my earliest love notes were probably more like hate notes. And I just let myself say, you know, like dear belly, dear knees, I don't like you. I know I'm supposed to like you and I just don't. And I don't like you because of, you know, how you look and how you move and, and all these sorts of things. And I just let myself be with those emotions. And, and I stopped judging myself because one of the things that happens when we want to change our relationship with our body is like, we've been shaming our body, you know, years, decades. And then we realize we don't want to do that anymore. So then we shame ourselves for shaming ourselves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you Which get into is, like this shame spiral, and then is. you're then you're in a thought prison, and it, it 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 just it just becomes it just becomes horrible because it does it, you can't and, get out and, of it.
1: No, and so just writing sort of this blank permission slip that I'm gonna say whatever I need to say to clear the air. Right on. And it's just me and my body, and she already knows how I feel about her because I show her and tell her all the time. So let I'm just gonna be honest. And so I was able to be angry. I was able to be sad. I was able to to let out all those feelings I was having and then get curious about well, why am I so angry that my needs don't work the way I want to? What is the expectation I'm holding? Where did that expectation come from? Like, was that truly my thought or was that from some outside source? And that's how I was able to reclaim this body of mine and find gratitude, even for the parts I don't like. So I think there's a this false myth that when you decide to accept your body, when you decide to become more positive about your body, that you have to just fall in love with all of it. And you don't.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's so great that you worked through a relationship with your body. And and I, I, I can see how that may actually affect my life as well because one of the things i've realized through my own spiritual journey is that you know we occupy a body and we think with a mind but that's not like my true identity right so i get to i get to occupy a meat suit with the soul that i'm starting to discover is you know so much bigger and that's why like all the all the gurus the 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 spiritual gurus you know they teach you to go inside even jesus said that right he's like the kingdom of god is within you and how do you how do you find out the expanse but by going inside but if you hate yourself and and when i first started meditating it was boy i really hate myself <laughs> and i wasn't able to focus on just about anything else ex- except for that i learned how to just focus on my breath enough to get outside of myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when we start to realize that, that there is something bigger and that we, we can fall in love with the vessel in a way that, you know, the vessel is here to, to show us, you know, we're, we're here to learn whatever the, whatever the lesson is for the, for the, the life. Right. And And, without this body, we don't get to be here. That's right. That's right. And we chose to come down here, you know. I mean, there's like a you know, if you think about the way the way Yogananda talks about it, it's like there's a pool of souls. We live up in a, you know, in the astral plane, and then we choose to come and occupy uh, you know, a fetus and as as you know, the, so so it's almost like, you know, it's like, what are we gonna learn this this time? Yeah. Um, and so all right, so so journaling journaling took you from grief and loss to more of a love is that that what i'm hearing
1: absolutely and and again that's a windy path and i will say a lot of times when i couldn't get to love i could get to respect or gratitude like gratitude was a huge piece of my journaling because when i couldn't say i like you i could at least say thank you like i i looked for something i appreciated you know i'll talk about my belly a little bit because i know that's a huge trigger spot for women um So I don't, and I still don't. If I'm being perfectly honest, don't always look in the mirror and go, "Oh, belly, I love the way you look." I just don't. But you know what? I am so grateful for the. My belly holds all these organs. Yeah. That do all this food chemistry magic every day, right? My belly was the place where my children grew. Like my belly is, it's soft and it is cuddly, and so there are a lot of things I'm grateful for even if I don't like the way that it looks. Uh, and so great. that's what I would dig into. It's like once I let myself get the, the you know, what we would call like the negative emotions out. Once I let the pain out, then I could look for, well, where can I be grateful? Yeah, Because like, I can't break up with this body unless I'm choosing not to live this life anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we, we get the body that we. So one of the things that I teach is that is and if, if you're listening to this and you get nothing else out of this podcast, here's here is the, here's the, the take home message. I talk a lot about gratitude and if you want joy in your life, it's gratitude. So gratitude, I teach that gratitude is the precursor to joy. And so if you want to feel joyful, start finding things to be grateful about. And because you can't have gra- gratitude and fear don't exist in the same they just can't, they can't exist at the same time, and so you know, if you're afraid of something, be grateful and then do it anyway, right And you know I, I talk a lot about how I'm so grateful for my body and how I can do more i'm fifty six years old and how I can do more with this body at fifty six than I could when I was eighteen, and I do things like you know I was saying before I took my dogs for for a run, my dogs are out of shape, and uh, I took my dogs for just over a three mile run, and they're both here on the floor just they're just dead okay they're not dead dead but you know they're they're really really tired and at one point during the run even my athletic dog the female sushi um, she was lagging behind I was like oh she needs a break and so I had to walk (laughs) a lot more than I'm used to during that run which was great because I didn't feel like going all out but the point is is that when we can start to say and and this this is exactly what happened for me instead of looking in the mirror and saying, "God I hate you." It was like, "Wow, look at what you can do. Look at how miraculous you know not not only the fact that we can take plants you know that that really that 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 take the energy from the sun and turn it into food, right? so we can take plants and we can turn them into food we can we can you know we can break down anything that we put in our mouth and it comes for the most part unless it's you know a nail. Um, (laughs) But, but we have this, you know, I mean, there's just so many ways to look at it and and have gratitude for, for what the body does and the chemicals, the chemical reactions and all the things. And so to, to dwell on the fact that my belly is a little bigger than, than, than I want it to be, what's going to happen is you're just going to continue to bring in more of that, right? Abraham Hicks talks about how when you keep your thoughts on one thing, that's what you're going to get more of, right? But when you start to really understand what you don't want, then you can say, okay, I know I don't want this. So what do I want? And then you put your put your thoughts there and you're able to attract other things in. And so I think it's really, really important that we are able to just pay attention to where we're putting our thoughts and then start to turn it. I've just been spending a lot of time on that. So that's why I'm kind of going. Yeah,
1: I, I it is. I mean, and that's, you know, you st- I teach an awareness of this, that first step. And then it's like, well, okay. What do I say instead? You know, what am I going to do instead? And for me, at first, it was just to to catch the thought and then say, OK, I'm not going to say that anymore or I'm not going to think that anymore. And then the next step after that, and I say steps like this wasn't really like this this was a process, like I said, a windy journey. Sure. It's not, you know, this chronological thing, but it was like, OK, well, what do I replace that with? Right. So was it gratitude or was it even joy or was it love? Um, Because I did. When you start leaning into the, the joy of it, of your body and the gratitude of it, like you do just find acceptance and then sometimes you find love. And like when we're going through a transition, I know like this getting older transition, society wants to tell us, like you were talking about the crone earlier, like the crone used to be like that, like the wise woman, the elder that we Powerful. look to, who, the woman we all wanted to be. And, yeah. and our society has decided to say- That's not who she is. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm reclaiming that because I remember like um, when I turned 40, like I would tell people it was like the giant unfettering. So at the same time that society was starting to say, oh, you're hitting middle age. Oh, we're going to stop paying attention to you. I was like breaking free. And that's when I started unpacking all of these lies I had been believing and really coming into the woman that i was meant to be and and entering into this passion and, and this calling that i have and so we right. get to lean into those joys again when we stop when we just like you said catch the thought and then let it be something different
0: yeah that's great catch the thought and let it be something different so we talked for a second about how this was an act of rebellion right and and mm-hmm. let's just let's just go into this a little bit more about how choosing to accept your body is more an act of rebellion. I mean, would you say that it's an act of rebellion around patriarchy or around Hollywood
1: or yes and yes and <laughs> yes? I, you fill in the list there. So, the diet and beauty industry spent something like seventy billion dollars last year alone on media messaging and. Every single one of those messages was to tell us that something was wrong with our bodies and we needed to fix it with their product or their service or their program. And some of those, you know, products are things we might choose for ourselves that we you know enjoy or that we think that we need or whatever. And a lot of them they were just about fitting into that very narrow beauty ideal that you know, a small percentage of us are born with bodies that fit into that ideal naturally. But most of us don't. And what we end up doing is spending countless amounts of our time, our energy and our money trying to achieve this perfection. And we just we won't ever achieve it. Because not only is it kind of this ridiculous standard, but also, they keep moving the goalpost, Mm -hmm. Right? Like they keep shifting what is ideal. So you know, sometimes it's to be really thin. And sometimes it's to be really thin, but also be curvy, right? Like, which is an oxymoron, (laughs) you know, and so it's like, we can't achieve it. And so for even the people who do force either, you know, because of just naturally how their bodies are made, or because of all the work that they spend in it, or because of disordered patterns that they have, they're not protected from people's judgment, from their scorn, from their ridicule, right? Because that's what we're doing. We all just want to belong. And so if we can get this perfect body, we'll belong. Hmm. But right, the, the, the gig is that we'll never achieve that perfect body. So we're just so, we keep just being sold this message and we don't see it as a failure of the diet or the product. We see it as a failure of ourselves.
0: Right. And so, so
1: to, to step out of that and say, <sighs> I'm not buying into that anymore yeah. yeah, is rebellious. But in like, like a really powerful sort of way.
0: Well, it's a self-love it's, it's truly an act of self-love to say, this is the body that I have. This is who I am and I'm going to do what I can with it. And what I found, what happened for me when I finally just said, okay, I, and actually I, so I have a coach that I've always been kind of sporty and, I decided back in 2015 or 2016, something like that, to start exercising again. And so I hired a coach to help me because I always hire a coach. I always, you know, that's just, has always helped me to kind of make, make the gap smaller. You know, if I wanted to get something, I hired a coach, you know, and then that's why the menopause movement has a coaching program so that we can, we can shorten that gap for you because what took me five years might only take you, you know, three months now. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So I hired this coach and. At one point, you know, and I was I was over 200 pounds when I start, first started exercising. And I I remember writing to him one day and I said, look, I'm just going to record my weight every day. I don't give a F. I you know, I'm just and I'm just going to start accepting I'm not going to I'm just going to release this. And I'll tell you, as soon as I let go of any of my expectations around how the exercise was going to affect my body, how I was going to lose weight or any of those things, then I was able to really start to focus on getting better, and as I started to get better, then I started to understand. Well, number one, that exercise has nothing to do with weight loss, and <laughs> and and that that you know performance is something that we can do. We can do a lot of performance. We can improve our impor- performance, but that has more to do with diet. But the other thing is, is that it's it. I had to accept where I was. Mm-hmm. I had to, and, and I envisioned something else for the future, but I had to say, this is where I am and it's okay. And so instead of trying to be somewhere else, I was right there and I said, this is fine. And then I said, okay, but what is it that I want? And I started stepping towards that. And that was, and that made the difference for me.
1: It, well, and it creates like companionship with your body versus this adversarial nature. Right? When we're taught that our bodies are wrong and we choose to believe that, then we're constantly at like at, at war with them. Yeah. Right. So our body's send- sending us a signal that it's hungry, and we're like, "Well, no, I can't <laughs> eat today, or I can't eat what you're craving because that would make me gain weight, or, or I, I can't I lazy.
0: can't eat until after two p.m. because I have right. to fast because now you know fasting is the new trend.
1: Yes, Ugh. and I know. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Let's, deny, let's and,
0: deny our bodies some more. Yeah, right.
1: Let's, and so it's like if we can accept this is the body that I have. It may not be the body that I want, but it's the body that I have. And you know, I talked earlier about going to the bathroom when you need to, but it's. Yeah. Drink water when your throat's dry. It's eat something when your tummy is rumbling. Um, it's stretching when you've been sitting for a long time. When you start to honor the body that you have, you create a companion, someone on the journey. So, do you want your body to change? Okay, that's fine. But how can you like invite in this body and this relationship to help you make the change?
0: Yeah, because
1: your when your body feels respected and cared for, it responds so positively to what you're you're asking it to do.
0: That's no that's that's really just so 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 important. So, tell me, can you give us a, a couple of tools so you you have on your outline here three three different tools to cultivate a kinder, gentler relationship with your body. So, I'd love to hear from you. What are some tools that the listeners of the Menopause Movement podcast can, can take from this podcast to start to love their bodies more?
1: Absolutely. So, the first one we've already talked about, which is journaling, it, it's starting some sort of writing practice. And it doesn't need to be like a morning pages where you have to write out, you know, X number of pages. It could literally be a, a three to five minute practice where you just sit down and have a check in with your body. Body, how are you today? Or body, this is where I'm feeling about you today. Or if you want to drill down and be specific, you know, belly, this is how I'm feeling about you today, you know, so just starting that open conversation. And if you're not a journaler, and you're not afraid to talk to yourself out loud, like have the conversation out loud instead, but just start checking in because a lot of us one of the ways that we deal with our negative body image is just to pretend we don't even have a body. So we don't even hear the signals our body is sending to us until our bodies are screaming and we're not flat on our bums, right? So just start the conversation again, whether, and I am a huge advocate of journaling because there's, there's just so much healing and writing things down, but that's, so that's step one. Um, the second thing is to find a movement practice that you love. It's not a movement practice to lose weight. It's not a movement practice to get stronger. It's not a movement practice to do anything, but experience the joy of moving. Mm. And sometimes we lose weight or our body gets stronger or the shape changes because of the move, some of the movement that we're doing, but it's really just to move. For me, that was a program called Wild Soul Movement, which ended up being like a moving meditation. So, you know, if, if meditation is hard, that was, it was a way that I could meditate and, and also be moving my body in these really like ways that felt super nourishing and gentle and good. But it might be a hike. It might be a run. It might be swimming. There's so many ways or dancing, right? Putting on a song and just dancing. So that's how, again, we connect with your body, like this physical, corporeal being that we have this body. Um, and then the third strategy that I offer is, to offer your body loving touch. Hmm. And I don't mean this in a sexual way. And again, that's another conditioning that we have if we're touching our bodies, it's to be sexy or sexual. And that's not what I mean at all. I mean, to literally be gentle and kind and give yourself love. And so that could be wrapping your arms just around yourself, and taking yeah. a breath or one of my favorites that I do when I'm just, I'm feeling like I need extra TLC is um cup your hands and then just hold your face hmm. and then close your eyes. Maybe if that feels safe and take a breath, just connect with yourself that way. And I imagine, you know, sometimes like that little girl inside me that was so parentified and taking in all of those things and sad that her parents were divorced. Like that's like, she's still inside me inside this body too. And so like I just love on her the same way that I love on my daughters.
0: That's that's really great. And one thing I think it's really important for us as as adults, and many of us are parents or mothers, is that there there is that maybe a, a broken or hurt little girl that's inside of us and we have to be the adult and nurture that girl, you know, mother that girl. But if that girl is the hurt one is the one that's running us, then we're then our lives are being run by a child. And so we have to actually step into being adults. And sometimes adulting is hard. You know, you hear that, you hear that from the millennials, especially now, you know, I'm adulting now. And, but we don't have to tantrum in the way that, that we did as children. And sometimes we still do. I mean, trust me, I, yesterday my son spent over $3,000 on Amazon. I have a disabled son. He's, he's got some cognitive problems and uh, he found his credit card and bought three Xboxes that are all going back. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness for returns. Yeah, yeah, but it was I freaked out about that because I was like, you know, what are you doing? He's like, well, I want an Xbox. I said, yeah, but you have an Xbox, and and I said, and he said, well, I tried to cancel it, and I said, but you never came to me, you never asked for help, right? And so th- the point is, is that is that I responded to that in a way that was less than what I wish I had, right? So so there's an opportunity for me to grow, and. On top of that, I also went back to my son and said, you know, listen, I, I kind of acted as a child in this situation. I was freaking out and I'm sorry. And and I actually took the the adult road. And so I think the point of the story is that we have choice and we can choose, you know, whether whether it's our behavior or whether it's how we lo- choose to have our relationship with our body or our relationship even with our minds uh, or in ourselves, you know, um, we have choice. And and that's what today, I think, was all about. Was there anything else you were hoping to share before we end?
1: I just always love to remind people that it is a journey. There's not an end point, And you don't ever have to get to that I love my body place. It's okay if you get to a place of just even neutrality with it. Like I had this human body and it's changing, right? Or just a place of respect or a place of acceptance. So You don't have to catapult there to the self-love and also that you be gentle with yourself. Give yourself so much grace because if you've learned something over decades, you're not going to heal it overnight, even though you want, you know, you want, you know, I remember figuring out, oh, I don't like my body and just thinking, I'm just going to, you know, first I'm going to meditate. And then I was like, oh, I need to do more. I'm just going to journal and it's going to be all fixed. And it wasn't. And there was so much to unpack and heal in there. And that was frustrating often um, that I wasn't moving as fast as I wanted to. But just remember grace, grace mm-hmm. for yourself on this journey, grace for your body, grace for your mind, which is trying to take over the role of interpreting you know what it thinks you need to hear. So lots yeah. of grace on this winding journey to self-acceptance and love. I love it. And uh, where can people find you? NicoleC.airs.com right. is my home base, and that will take you to my books. That will take you. I have a helping hand resources page because this isn't a solo journey. And yeah. so, if you need books to read or some classes to take, um, I also offer a course It's currently in wait list. Um, we'll reopen again this fall to help people that just really want to get started on the path. So, NicoleC.airs.com will, will, Get you into my world, and I'd love to have you there.
0: Well, that's great. We've got uh, you've got three books here Love Notes to My Body, Love Letters to My Body, Writing My Way to Self Love, and then Writing Your Way to Self Love, A Guided Journal to Help You Love Your Body One Part at a Time. And are these available on Amazon? They are. Okay. So we'll definitely hook these up in the show notes for anybody who wants to uh, purchase these books. I I love the Love Notes to My Body because it's basically, you know, let's talk about. Let's talk about our knees and uh, let's, yeah. let's talk about our, our nose and our lips. And, and so th- those sorts of things. And so
1: that one's the fun, that one's the fun. It's beautifully illustrated. It's whimsical. It is. So it's all the joy and gratitude that I found. Awesome. That, that one's, that one's my favorite.
0: That's great. Well, Nicole, thanks for being a part of the menopause movement today. I'm sure that uh, this episode is going to help a lot of women start to take the next step to loving themselves again in a different way.
1: I hope so. I hope so. And wishing you all the best along the way.
0: Thank you. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement.